Amen. There we go. Good morning, everyone. If you have your Bibles, would you go to Joshua, the third chapter, with me, please? We want to look at that chapter for a second time. We looked at it last time, and we preached a message when you've never been this way before. And we, we, we preached it. We might lean a little bit more on the teaching side today. We'll see how the river flows. But this is going to be a story of some unchanging principles that God demands for the victorious Christian. Lessons that we all must learn and practice as we walk with God. The miracle at the Jordan. If you would, let's look at verse number 1 of chapter Three, the Bible says early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shidom and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it or go after it. Then you'll know which way to go, since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance, about a thousand yards, between the ark. Do not go near it. Verse 5, Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priest, Take up the ark of the covenant, pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I'll begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to all the people, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God, for this is how you will know that the living God is among you, and that he will certainly drive out, and there you got the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Gergesites, Amorites, a lot of ites, Jebusites, all the enemies of God. And now if you would go to Verse 14, verse 14. So when the people broke camp and they crossed to cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now, verse 15, this is important to remember. The Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priest who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing, piled up in a heap a great distance away. And from there, the people... We're able to walk on dry ground. We'll talk this morning about the miracle of the Jordan. Again, this is our second um, message from this chapter. Last week, we really looked at that verse 4, and we just kind of, we preached the thought, since you've never been this way before, and how do you respond to new seasons, new sorrows, new challenges, new callings of the faith? This time, we're going to look at some uh, positioning ourselves for advancement, positioning ourselves and our faith for overcoming. And we'll glean through that. Now, the book of Joshua, as we said, is a picture of the overcoming Christian life. It's full of instruction, of inspiration to help us as we advance in our walk of faith, as we grow in Christ, as we accomplish His will, as we enter into that deeper Christian experience and victory. And here we find God's people ready to enter the promised land. And again, this word for Israel and this word for us was not a one-time deal. 
It wasn't just a one-time formula for this particular message. These principles that we look at are eternal principles, things they needed to learn, unchanging principles that every person that walks with the living God must understand and must practice habitually if you want to enter into God's best. There are certain things in the Bible, pretty much one-time deals. Jesus spit in a blind man one time, but he didn't tell his church to go spitting on people. Amen? There are certain things. Go wash in the pool. There are certain things, one-time deals. There are other things where the principles are unchanging and eternal. And we take that thought, and Israel's never to forget these lessons. This is not a one-time deal. Jericho, a lot of that was a one-time deal, but certain things here, forever, forever and forever. Now, we find God's people ready to enter their promised land. Behind them, 40 years of a desert march, 40 years wandering in that wilderness, the generation that rejected God's blessing dying off, but a new generation is ready, and they want God's best behind them. Forty years of marching in front of them, the Jordan River, but not just the typical Jordan River that normally you could wade through it. This is harvest season, which means it's at flood tide. It's over a mile wide. It's deep. It's hard. And it's impassable, humanly speaking. And they've never been this way before. Again, the river is impassable and it stood between them and their inheritance. But the Lord was going to lead them through the very thing that was trying to hinder their blessing. The Lord was going to perform before them a great and mighty miracle as they followed Him and as they walked with Him, as they believed His promise and obeyed His instruction. God was going to unfold His plan and God was going to display His glory. And they were going to have an experience and they were going to learn lessons that they would never ever forget. And as we look closer at the miracle at the Jordan, we learn principles for our lives. Our lives so I can advance and enter into God's best. That I can overcome the barriers that would try to keep me from growing and maturing and doing the will of God for my life. Anything that would keep us from our inheritance in Christ, we can apply these principles and they'll help us to the other side. Now, we could break up this chapter into three main parts. We'll really only be able to dig into number one. But number one would be the preceding of the miracle. The preceding of the miracle. Number two, the purpose of the miracle. Purpose of the miracle. You'll find that primarily in verse 10. God said, this is how you know the living God is among you. You're going to know I'm God, and you're going to know that I'm going to do more for you. He says, this is how you'll know that I'm going to defeat those enemies. I'm going to get you through here, but I'm going to show myself in such a way that you're not going to doubt me as we continue to march on and take on new challenges. The purpose of the miracle, and of course, the power of the miracle. As they obeyed God, God was able to open up the Jordan and allow an entire nation to walk through on dry ground. The impossible becomes possible when God says, let's get it done. Oh, hallelujah. But the proceeding of the miracle. I want to give your full attention to that. That is the part of this message that we need to understand and practice continually from this moment till God calls us home. The proceeding of the miracle. Chapters 1 and 2, the Israelites had come to the Jordan River. They had marched there. Now they're camping out. Chapter 3, the Israelites have to go through the Jordan River to get to their promised land. But before the river opens and the people are able to cross over, some things precede the miracle. This is a new generation. 
And it was time to enter in, and there was a requirement on their side if they wanted to enter into God's best. Now, again, these are lessons, not just for the then, but for the now. What prepares you and I for the unknown and unpredictable Jordans of life? What prepares us for ways we've never been before, for seasons in life we've never encountered before? What is it that prepares my faith to face the challenges that would attempt to hinder me from God's best or turn me back from God's perfect will? Again, what prepares us for such times? Three subpoints under Roman numeral one under the proceeding of the miracle. There's going to be the hearing, there's going to be the cleansing, and there's going to be the following. To the day God calls you home, these three things can never be separated from a walk of faith. These three principles are never, ever set on the shelf or forgotten or you grow beyond them. These are continual parts of the child of God who chooses to walk closely with his God. Number one, we look at the hearing. Well, let me back up. We, we can and should expect new victories in our lives, new places of blessing in our lives, new attainments, but we can never forget We have a responsibility on our part to enter into that and to receive that. There is a personal prerequisite for God's best. Now, number one, under the proceeding, there's the hearing. There is the hearing or listening to be led. You'll see at least five messages in this one little chapter. Five messages of the communication, of the plan, the word, and the instruction of God. There's the officers commanding and giving instruction to the people. There's the Lord, of course, telling Joshua. There's Joshua addressing the priest and then addressing the the nation. And we see at least five different messages because clear communication for direction, for instruction, and for encouragement are are always necessary if we're going to walk with God. We need to be a people of clear communication and the ability to hear clearly that what might be led of the Lord. Clear communication is important. The ability to hear. Three senior citizens were out for a walk together and one made the comment, it sure is windy. The second responded, it's not Wednesday, it's Thursday. Immediately the third chimed in and said, I'm thirsty too. Let's get a drink. Amen. God, give us ears to hear. Can you say amen? amen? I know in the natural you start losing a little bit, but in the spirit, don't lose it. Amen. In the spirit, don't lose your ability to hear from the word of the living God. Now, notice there had been a three-day delay. They got there and God said, now camp out for three days. Most of us would have got there and said, let's go. We've been waiting 40 years for this. My Lord, we got the promise. Amen. Well, you know, people of different groups, some would be ready to swim over and others would be hemming and hawing. They're not too sure about it. But I'm talking about the faith people. There had been a three day delay. Why? Well, there's a slowing down. There's a waiting. There's a positioning to clearly hear God's direction and God's timing. They're not running ahead, but they're taking time to be quiet before the Lord. Clarity avoids presumption and miscalculation. Timing avoids impatience and timidity. And assurance helps us to avoid desperation, but instead have a confidence that this indeed is the call in the will of God. 
We'll say it again. They march all this time and they finally get to the last barrier between them and taking the land. And God says, stop. God says, let's pause for three days, camp out. Because I'm going to speak to leaders and leaders are going to clarify and communicate that to the people. But you've got to hear the plan because I'm teaching you the lesson. You're not on your own. You don't just come and get a touch from me and just run and do your own thing. But you come under my yoke, you abide in my word, and you let me lead you by my spirit. But if you're going to be led, you've got to hear. And if you're going to hear, you've got to listen. And if you're going to listen, you've got to wait. Because God works on his timing, not mine. How many have found that out in life? Amen. So again, I'm going to take time and be quiet. Israel is taking three days. And during those three days, we see five messages in this chapter of the communication of the plan in the way and the will of God. Again, clarity avoids presumption. Many times presumption has, has bitten all of us and we zigged and we should have zagged. But clarity also helps us to miscalculate. I thought this was the way if I would have waited and actually got a little clearer hearing from the Lord. I could have avoided that mistake. Again, timing. Because in the hearing, I get the timing. Timing avoids impatience and just running ahead, but also timidity. Because when I know it's God's time, it's time to press on. No more waiting, no more hesitating, no more wondering. When I know it's time, then faith just steps out and watches God be God. And also waiting gives me an assurance. When I hear the voice of God, it gives me an assurance. Well, I'm not moving by desperation, but I'm walking forward with a confidence, knowing I've heard God's voice, I have the witness of God's Spirit, and I know God is going to make a way for me. Now, we've never been this way before. Israel had never been this way before. And God is teaching them what's going to precede the miracle. What is the prerequisite to walk forward and grow in me is you've got to be led of me, which means you have to hear from me. So stop, slow down, and wait that you might hear the voice and the leading of the Lord your God. It's so important to get clear instructions. But learning to be led means learning to hear, which means listening. Take time to hear before you sign on the dotted line. Take time to hear. Before you say, I do, take time to hear. Before you say, sure, I'll join in with that. Remove the things that would interfere with clear hearing. Make sure there's clear reception between you and your Savior. Now, when we look at this story, we ask, what did the nation hear as they waited those three days? God, number one, had given them instructions to follow. He'd given them conditions to meet. He'd given them promises to believe. If I'm going to enter into God's best, one thing I've learned a long time ago, there's instructions I have to follow. I don't tell God how we're going to do things. God tells me how we're going to do things. And a lot of times I wish I was able to pick, but he don't. But there's conditions to meet because with every new season of life, there's a new demand on my faith. There's a new demand on my consecration. There's conditions to meet. And also there's promises to believe. God will give me a word, but I've got to believe that word. And believing that word means stepping out and walking on that word when the time is right. Now, these, um, this nation is positioning themselves to cooperate with God in receiving God's best and advancing in God's purpose. Now, for our lives, for you and I this morning that are walking with God, let us understand that God desires and God is willing to lead us if we'll listen. That God wants to lead us. 
You're not alone in your decision making. You're not alone in your navigating. You might be a single parent and there's decisions to make and you wish you could bounce one off. You wish you had this or that. But I want you to know you have a shepherd and his name is Jesus. And he'll guide you and he'll lead you. Maybe you're facing decisions and this world is complex. This world is inconsistent and sometimes. But if we'll wait on the Lord, he gives us wisdom so we can walk in his ways. He'll give us insights. He'll check us when it's time to stop. He'll give us stirring and faith when it's time to go. But understand, as you walk with God, if you listen to the voice of your God, He'll lead you and guide you in His perfect way. Underneath this thought of leading, let us as believers be confident, be cooperative, and be consistent in our ability to hear and be led of the Lord. We live in a world where people, they go up and down with the stock market. They go up and down with the rumors they hear going on at work. But as a child of God, you don't have to fear the things the ungodly fear. You don't have to fret the things the lost fret. You have a Savior who is on your side. He says, I bless you going in and I bless you going out. And if you seek me, I'll let you find me. And if you'll walk with me, I'll order your steps. I'll bless the works of your hands. And I'll give you the wisdom and insight you need for every decision and every choice. Can you say amen? Let's look at this. Now, we're just going to go down this list because I want to walk a little bit. Psalm 32 and verse 8. Number one, I want you to be confident this morning. As a child of God, you might be, again, you might be a widow, a widower. You might be a single parent and you face decisions and there's choices and there's deadlines. And I know it can be stressful. And I know people are rushing and and their things are, what if I make a mistake? Oh, folks, we all face those things. But as a child of God, you're different. You're blessed. You're a child of the living God. Jesus is your shepherd. Shepherd, you are a son of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so again, I want you to be confident and know that God will and God desires to lead you if you cooperate with Him and consistently walk with Him. Be confident. Psalm 32 and verse 8. He says, I will instruct thee. God says, there's no maybe about it. I will instruct you and I'll teach you the way that you should go. I will counsel over you and and I'll watch over you. He says, literally, he says, I'll keep my eye on you. If you walk in my ways, I'll keep watching over you. I'm not just going to give you advice and then set you off in the Amazon of life to navigate for yourself. I will instruct you and I will teach you, but I'll also keep my eye on you. And if you keep your antenna up when it's time to shift, you'll hear me say, over this way, son. When it's time to pause, you'll feel someone pulling back the reins saying, hold Hold up that there's a bridge out ahead. Let me lead you another way. Oh, glory be to God. Somebody, you might be facing a decision, but you don't face it alone. You have the ultimate counselor of counselors. His name is Jesus. And he said, I will instruct you and I will teach you in the way that you should go. My way might be different than your way. Your way might be different than theirs. But if we learn to be confident and seek the Lord, we have heaven. Heaven's promise, God will lead us, but we got to have an ear to hear. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got to have an ear to hear. Go to that next one, Jimmy. Just go down that yellow list I gave you because I don't want to walk up them steps. I'm getting old. Amen. I said be confident. Can you be confident? Can you be confident? 
You're a child of God. You ought to be a confident person. Man, you are a king's kid. I mean, that's something. The blood of Jesus. Woo! Same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Be confident when it comes to walking and deciding and being led. He says, I will lead you if you listen to me. I will instruct you. If anyone lacks wisdom, are you in anyone? I'm in anyone. Anyone lacks wisdom? He or she should ask. Ask me. God says, go ahead and ask me. You, you got an open line to the counselor of counselors. The one that knows the end from the beginning. Amen. The one that knows every hair in your head and, and the ones that aren't there no more. Amen. I mean, that, that God, the living God, said, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives. How much does he give? Generously. Oh, our God's not cheap. Amen. He's our gen- I'm lavish wisdom on you. I'll give you wisdom if you listen. I'll give you wisdom if you listen. He gives generous all without finding fault. And it will be, underline, it will be given to him. Well, if you're going to go to a new place, God says, I need to lead you. But I can't lead you if you don't stop and listen. I can't lead you if you won't pause and ask me for the wisdom you need. Now, if my dad always said, well, you're a know-it-all, you're a know-it-all. If you're a know-it-all, you're always going to have problems in the things of God. Because you're always going to be making mistakes, and you spend half your time bailing yourself out of the mistakes. God loves you the whole time, but you just don't make a lot of progress. Amen? You can be loved by the Lord and still not have a lot of progress in the things of God if you don't follow the principles of God. Come on, say amen. You can get truly saved, born again, know you're going to heaven, but if you don't apply the biblical word and principles to your life, I mean, you can be loved of God, have the eternal salvation and all that, but your life is one step forward, boom, two steps backwards, and that's how you go. But if you follow the principles of God, you've never been this way before. Facing a challenge of your faith you've never faced before. Going into a season you've never had to take by yourself before. But number one, God says, here is the proceeding of the miracle that you're looking for. Here is the proceeding of the promotion and the breakthrough that you desire. The first thing is you you need to hear what I'm telling you. You need to receive my instruction for you. I have a promise you can stand on. I've got wisdom to help you navigate. I might have some conditions. That you might need. No, we don't like conditions. We don't like anyone, including God, telling us what to do. But that's not the God of the Bible. He'll tell us what to do. He's God all by himself. Can you say amen? And there'll be conditions. We don't like the conditions. Well, if you don't like the conditions, one step forward, two steps back. That's my prophecy over you. I'm sorry. You can't break the word. If anyone lacks wisdom, you should ask God to give generously. Without finding fault, he won't scold you for asking. He won't say you're bothering me for asking. But it will be given to him. But when you ask, look at that next verse. You have to ask with faith. When you approach God, approach God confidently as a son or a daughter who has a good heavenly father. Amen? If you come from good parents, you know what I'm talking about. It's so easy to understand the ways of God if you've been raised by good parents. Because you know their love and you know their, their generosity. You, you know their care and their kindness. If you come from a, a good father relationship, you know all you got to do is ask. Amen? If it's in their power, man, they bless you. And so God says, but when you ask, you believe and don't doubt. When you ask me for wisdom, I want you to believe that I will give you the wisdom for that particular situation so you can walk properly and victoriously. 
Blessed be his name. Go to the next verse, Jimmy, whatever the next scripture is. I mean, yeah, there we go. Now, number one, we said we need to be confident if we're going to be led of the Lord. Amen? We have to be confident in our listening, believing that God will speak, believing that God will and desires to lead us. But secondly, not only do I have to be confident, I have to be cooperative. I have to cooperate with God. God's biggest problem is not the devil, it's me. Me getting in step with him. God's biggest, not the devil, we take care of him. We bind him, we resist him, he's got to flee. The biggest problem Joe has is the old Joe, amen? The impatient Joe. The I want it yesterday Joe. The, the, oh, come on, say amen. You know it's true. You know, you know, we want to bind this and bind that. We need to die to the old flesh and put that old nature down. But anyhow, anyhow, she had a sister. Martha had a sister called Mary. Cooperation. Who sat at the Lord's feet listening, listening to what he said. Preceding is the waiting and the listening so we could hear and receive the word of the Lord. But I thought it made sense. Did you stop and listen? But, but, but I wanted, did you stop and listen? It could have been the right thing the wrong time. It could have been the right thing the wrong way. Did you stop the biblical principle? Three days camping out. Within those three days, communications coming from heaven, communications going out to the troops, communications coming from the leadership, communications going to the under leaders, and people are getting in step with the will and the way and the strategy of God. So I'm going to be confident. You need to be confident that God will lead us. But I have to be cooperative if I really want that leading. And like Mary, I have to practice sitting at his feet every morning. When you do your devotions, you have your coffee and you're opening up that Bible. You know what? You're sitting at his feet and you're listening. And when you approach the word of God with an open heart and an ear to hear, you say, Father, speak to me this morning. Speak to me through your word. and Help me to walk this out when I go to work and live this out. What You're listening. You're listening. It's that simple. And it's those words that the Holy Spirit brings to our remembrance. It's those words that he speaks to us and he imparts to us and he highlights to us as we go throughout our day. What's that next verse? We're still under cooperation. Draw near to God. And he what? He will. God says he will draw near to you. God says if you'll sit at my feet, I won't run away. If you'll come and sit down. Talk to me. I won't say, well, I'm busy right now. I've got to mow the grass. Amen. God says, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. But when you approach me, let there be a cleansing. That's our next point. Let there be a purifying. But the key here is I want to cooperate with God. If I want to walk in the blessing of God, I've got to work with God. I'm confident. I'm cooperative. What's that next one, Jimmy? What do we got up there? Oh, how do I cooperate? Well, this is where consistency comes in. Wednesday night we talked about the importance of prayer. And we said, don't just be a 911 in case of emergency break glass prayer person. Amen. Don't just be, I got a flat tire. I got to pray now. I can't, I've tried everything else. Maybe I'll pray. No. Prayer is to be like breathing for the child of God. Prayer is something natural. It's relationship. It's communication. It's as natural as breathing. We go through Walmart, right? And what do we do? We're praying. Isn't that true? You're praying, Lord, help that grandkid. They got a final exam. Lord, you have my meanwhile, you're looking. What's the best detergent? Amen. Are you over here and you're doing that? But that's how a child of God is. We talk with God all the time. And right. We get in the car. Lord, help me with this. Bless this time. I know my cousin's nice, but sometimes she drives me up a wall. Lord, Lord, bless. You didn't know we heard you. Amen. I want to cooperate, which means I'm going to be consistent in my hearing and in my listening. 
The, the chief ways God will speak to you and I, the two chief ways, his word and his spirit. I've got that written word. Most of you got it on your lap. The written word without. He'll talk to me. He'll guide me. He'll teach me. I've got the Holy Spirit within. He'll lead me. He'll instruct me. He'll say yea. He'll say nay. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Amen. Oh, and Brother Sam and I were just fooling around. This weather reminded us of this, this summer's tornado that come through and hurricane or whatever that thing was. And everything was out. There were no lights. No dark. It's hard to walk in the dark, isn't it? You, you, you take for granted all the lights. And all of a sudden, it's like, man, I can't walk two feet without. There could be a branch here. There could be stepping on a squirrel, fell out of the tree. But, you know, the Word of God says, I'll begin to light your path. So you can walk through life. Others are bailing out. Others are freaking out. Others are falling apart. But you know, it's so dark. It's so confusing. No one knows tomorrow. But you know the one that does. And if you walk in that word, there'll be light for your path. Light means security. Light means stability. Hey, when it's dark out, you're very slow, very slow. Never been this way, but I'm scared. But when the light comes out, man, you just walk free, don't you? You lock up a building. We'll lock up this building. If we didn't have these windows, it'd be hard to navigate when all the lights are off. Amen? Don't want to walk into this. Don't want to walk into that. Your word, God's word, a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. I want to develop a consistency in sitting at his feet and listening to his voice and hiding that word in my heart so I can be led of God. The preceding of the miracle, I'm waiting and I'm listening. This I've never been this way before, and God does not lead us the same way every time. One time, David, at a point when he was an experienced warrior, he wasn't just starting out an experienced warrior and leader of men, Second Samuel, 5th chapter, and, and, and David, the Bible says, the enemy was coming, and he inquired of the Lord. What should we do? And God said, this is what you want to do. Go this way, do that way, blah, blah, blah. Victory. But now the enemy decided a counterattack. They attacked again. Now here's David. He just defeated them. He's been defeating that group for a lot of years. He is a man of war. He is a very successful leader of men and warrior, captain of the armies. He could have easily said, well, I've done this a lot of times. Since I was a teenager, I've been beating up on Philistines. Let's just do it this way. But David, being a man after God's heart, was wise enough to recognize the Lord doesn't always lead us the same way every time. And the Bible says the second time, David inquired of the Lord. He didn't take for granted that, hey, I'm David. I'm anointed at this. I'm pretty good at this. I'm experienced this. Lord, I'll ask you if I need help. I know what I'm doing. David was humble enough to recognize, Lord, I need your direction. Because the way to victory yesterday... Might not be the way of victory today. And I need to ask you. And the Bible says David inquired of the Lord a second time. And this time David said, listen, you do this and you do that. And when you hear the sound of those armies marching in the mulberry trees, amen. Oh, God led him a different way, but God gave him another victory. But David showing us, even those that walk with God, even those that have experienced victories in God, don't get cocky. Don't think you got it all worked out. We still need to learn to pause and wait and listen to receive the mind and the guidance and the wisdom of God. Somebody say amen.
Jimmy, go to John 10. John 10 and the verse I have there in John 10. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, we understand the verse. The fourth verse would say, my sheep know my voice. But verse 27 says something very interesting. And this is Jesus talking about his sheep. Are you a sheep of the Lord Jesus? Amen. Are you one of his? Is Jesus your shepherd? He says, my sheep hear my voice. Hey, can you put that up there in the NIV if you don't mind? I probably messed you up, but don't worry about it. That's all right. My scribble notes. My sheep hear my voice. They hear my voice. Not only do they hear, my sheep listen. My sheep listen. Does that, I got to ask myself this. Let me ask myself this, okay? I don't want to pick on anybody. Joe, does that describe you? You know, the longer you do this thing, it gets easy just to walk in it. Come on, come on. The longer you've been in this thing, it gets easy just to, Joe, do you listen to my voice or do you just take for granted you know the way? My sheep listen to my voice and I know them. Listen, God knows you personally, intimately, lovingly. He knows you, but he says, listen to me so that you can follow me. I know the way in the darkness I know the way when you don't know what to do. But if you listen to me, I will lead you so you can follow me and you can have my best for you. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Subpoint number one was the hearing or the listening. And now subpoint number two, the proceeding of this miracle. Not only the hearing, God will lead us if we listen, but the cleansing. But the cleansing. Look at verse 5. Look at verse 5. It's a sermon all by itself, but it's a, it's a powerful verse. It's a powerful verse where um, Joshua says, he's speaking the word of the Lord, consecrate or sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things or wonderful things among you. Let's look at this for a moment. This is the call to cleansing. This is the call to cleansing. Getting rid of any hindrance, entanglements, removing from my life what holds me back from advancing in the Lord. This is not a one-time verse. This is an eternal principle for walking with God. This is not just an Old Testament strategy or lingo. This is something you will see throughout the Word of God again and again. A prerequisite for walking victoriously, successfully, if I can use the word happily, with your God is not only listening to be led, but it's living a clean and pure life that doesn't grieve Him, that doesn't allow a noticeable disobedience to Him, but walks in the purity and the separation from this world that God desires and requires of His people. Let's dig into this. Getting rid of any hindrance, entanglement, or interference. Getting rid of the things that would distract me or grieve the Spirit of God in me. Folks, listen. They're the black and whites. But you, I'm talking to people that walk with God. We ought to be, we're beyond the black and whites, I hope. There's other things that when the Holy Spirit begins to grieve us, it might be a TV show. And he's saying enough of that. that. That show that you begin to feel in your spirit and being grieved by that. Now, now again, if you want God's best, you've you got to give God your all. Now, if you want advancement in God, there are conditions to meet. God might say it's time to start being more committed to my house or serving me in a different way. Now, this is how God leads us. This is how God walks. This is Old Testament, New Testament. 
This is not for just the priest. This is for all the people that would walk with God. He's a good God. He's a loving God. He's a faithful God. But the principles of God require of us that we be a sanctified or set apart people. That he might use us, that his spirit could dwell without being grieved or quenched within us. The removal of things that hold me back from advancing in the Lord. Again, this is a healthy habit for every child of God. Say it again. This is a healthy habit for every child of God. We see in 1 Corinthians, let a man examine himself. It's not for me to examine you. I've got to examine myself. Amen? And when I read that word, I examine myself. Again, the psalmist, the man after God's own heart, oh, God, search me and see. One of the ways we stay healthy in our spiritual walk, say, God, search me. God, am I letting an attitude in? If I had let something in that you say, it was okay when I was in sixth grade, but now I'm trying to graduate and it's time for a new requirement because I desire a new blessing. New seasons demand new consecrations. And cleansing precedes the carrying out of God's call and God's commission. Now, in verse 5, again, that's our focus on this sub-point. This was both an order and a promise. The fulfillment of the promise depended on their obedience to the order. Let me say that again. Verse 5, this is both an order, consecrate yourself, and a promise. I'm going to do wonders. Listen, God wants to do wonders in your life. God wants to do wonders in your life and in your family. But the fulfillment of that promise depends on my obedience to the order. Consecrate yourself. Sanctify yourself. Let's expand this word sanctify. Don't be afraid of that word. It's a good word. Amen. It's a God word. Now, sanctify. Sanctify means set apart for God's exclusive use. When you got saved, you are no longer your own. But you've been bought with a price and the precious blood of Jesus redeemed you and purchased you for God. You are now a child of the living God. He took you out of darkness and brought you into light. Took you out of the kingdom of this present world and brought you to the kingdom of His dear Son. He set you apart for His exclusive use. The set apart from the world and that world system and that world mentality and morality and devoted and dedicated to God and His will and His glory. Now, typically, there are three tenses, three tenses or phases that we like to talk about here. Um, go to that next slide, if you would, up there, but I just feel like walking again. Now, let's walk through this. This is a whole, this is, this is a month-long teaching right here, but we're going to walk through this real quick. We talk about sanctification. Typically, we talk like this. There's a positional sanctification, and then there is a, a practical, a progressive sanctification, and then one glad morning, hallelujah, I'm going to see Jesus and be transformed, a perfect sanctification or glorification. Now, number one, there's a positional sanctification. If you're saved today, you have been sanctified. You've been set apart. You're no longer your own. The blood was shed. He reached down with a hand of grace, took you out of that world, took you out of that old thing, and put you into the kingdom of His dear Son, Hebrews 10 and 10. Hebrews 10 and 10, and I think New King James, Hebrews 10 and 10, but by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Here it is, once for all. Amen? 
That's our position. Your position in Christ, you are a child of God. Now, you're like me, and you're far from being perfect. You haven't arrived. None of us has. But if you've been born again, guess what? You are sanctified. You have been set apart. You belong to God. The, the robe of Jesus' righteousness covers you. You're covered by that blood. The Spirit of God is within you. The seal of God's Spirit is upon you. Glory be to God. If you're a child of God, you are sanctified. And that is my position. I'm a child of God. And my flaws, though I might have many, they're not, they're not disqualifying me. I'm walking with God. And my, my weaknesses, though I'm trying to overcome them, um, they don't disqualify me. I'm a child of God. Now, that second thought is the practice of sanctification or the process of sanctification. See, now that I am a child of God, I want to act like a child of God. And you say amen. Now that I am sanctified, I want to live sanctified. What does 2 Corinthians 7 and 1 say? Hallelujah. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us, let us, let us purify what? Ourselves. Now, we've been purified, but we still need to purify. Purify ourselves in the practical walking out of the Christian experience. Let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting or maturing or advancing in holiness out of reverence for God. This is, see, the first part was the once and for all. This is the daily walking with God and growing with God, overcoming Certain things and growing and maturing in other things. This is the intentional effort to be like Jesus. This is the working out, the living out of what Christ has done in my life. This is something that never stops. This is something that if you're saved and walking for another 50 years, we are in this part of growing and progressing in the practice and development. And all of this, the positional and the practical, it all culminates into what we call perfect sanctification. There comes a day we'll see Jesus face to face and we'll be transformed like a twinkling of an eye. We'll put on the immortality. We'll be like Him. Look at 1 John 3 and 2 that we call this glorification. Beloved, now we're children of God. Right now we're children of God. If you're saved, you are now a child of God and yet it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. We're not there yet. We are children of God. But I'm not the child I'll one day be. I am a child right now. I'm, a, I'm saved. Anybody saved? You are. Yet you shall be. You are. But you're not where one day you will be. Anybody want more? Amen. Anybody looking forward to get rid of that temper? I, I am. Anybody looking forward to get rid of the impatience, that old nature? Anybody? I, I. It's beloved, beloved, beloved. Now we are children of God. Hallelujah. There's no more condemnation. Jesus holds you and Jesus loves you. That position is held by God himself. Yet, it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. We know something more is coming. I have that position. I'm doing my best to practice and progress and mature. But I know one glad morning. It should be perfection. There should be glorification. It has not yet been revealed but we know, this we know about the future, that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, 
for we shall see him as he is. Oh, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. Let's press on. Give me a few more minutes here. What is sanctify? This was a very important command. God says, I'm bringing you into the promised land. I'm taking you through the barrier of the Jordan that's trying to hinder you from my best. But here is the prerequisites. These are the things that will precede my working in your life in that way you desire. Number one, you've got to listen. You've got to wait. You've got to hear so I can direct you and you can walk in my timing and in my word and my strategy. But secondly, sanctify yourselves. Consecrate yourselves. For them it meant taking off the old clothes, putting on new, washing themselves symbolically. But it was an imagery, it was symbolism of a fresh devotion to God, a fresh consecration of God, a fresh cleansing before God. And God would say to us today, sanctify yourselves. That means being set apart for God's purpose. That means being made pure by Christ's work on the cross. We've received that. Being clean and devoted to God, separation apart. Devotion unto. And the focus of the text and the focus of our lives right now is that practical or the process of sanctification which continues throughout my life. The scripture never says that we're able on this side of eternity to reach that perfection. Amen? Anyone that thinks we are, we're just kidding ourselves because we're all made of the same junk. But the word of God again and again stresses and calls each one of us to the pursuit of that perfection in this life. That we are to press forward into growth. That we are to intentionally give an effort to grow and become more and more like our Lord and like our Savior. For instance, Philippians 2, 12 and 13, a familiar couple of verses. Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. And this is the part of I am participating. I'm cooperating with God to grow in my faith, to mature and develop, to get rid of the things that would hinder advancement, to set aside the things that are keeping me from God's best and developing the attributes that I need to be the vessel God desires me to be. Paul says, therefore, my beloved... As you've always obeyed, not so much in my presence, but now, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Yeah, he's not saying work for salvation. You can't work for salvation. It's a gift from the Lord Jesus Christ. You receive it by receiving Jesus. I don't work for salvation, but once I receive this great and glorious salvation, I'm